We're going to move into our response time. A few times a year, we actually add a moment of lament to our response time where we just take some time to respond to God, to talk to God through this sort of prayer called lament. If you're not familiar with lament, lament is all throughout the Bible, particularly you're going to find it in the Psalms. The lament prayers are really just prayers where, where the people of God and individual people in the people of God were going, God, why are things this way? Why am I experiencing sin this way? Where are you, God? Will you show your face to me? Why are you hiding your face to me? If you read the Psalms, it's not long before you start feeling like these are like uncomfortable things. Like these are the things you're, you're not supposed to say at church. But part, part of uh, the good news of what it means to be part of the people of God is God wants our whole hearts. And so lament is a beautiful way to bring God our whole heart. And so part of how we do that is we take some times throughout the year, whether there's large events or big scale events that have happened in the country or in the state or in the city that make us sad. And we just go, God, why are things this way? Or we just take specific topics and, and go, God, why, why is this going on? This is hurting me in these different kinds of ways. And so part of why we started doing Lament is because I wanted the kids in this church to grow up in the church in a church where they realized they could bring all of their heart to God. And I also want us to be more faithful to, to how the Psalms guide us in, in praying and singing together. And so lament is a great way to do that. And so this morning, actually, I'm not going to be doing the lament. We're actually going to have Delphina Johnson. She's going to be doing the lament for us this morning. And Delphina's going to be lamenting racism. She's going to be lamenting racism, but she's also going to be particularly giving us a perspective of, of, of a lament of, of a Navajo woman and what racism ha has affected, how has it's affected her, how has it affected her generations around her, how has it affected this country in, in all kinds of ways. If you don't know Delfina, Delfina is just a faithful lover of Jesus. When I spend time with her, I just sense her closeness to the Lord. And something that we talk about a lot, or we have talked about a lot in the past, is Christian spaces are often very segregated. So is ours. Like, and I wish that wasn't the case, but most of us are in churches where most people look like us. And in northern Arizona, where there are a lot of indigenous people, uh, there's something in me that goes, if we really want to be the body of Christ, if we really want to look like the body of Christ, they should be in our midst. And, and Delfina's talked about how it can be hard for, for someone of indigenous descent to, to be in an all-Caucasian space for, for a variety of reasons. And one of those reasons is often their voice is quieted or their voice, they're not allowed to kind of talk through the things they want to talk through or they're not allowed to lament the things that they think are worthy of lamenting. And so I wanted to take a random Sunday in April and say, Delphine, can you lament for us? Can you lament for us? Because I don't know if I can lament these things as well as, as you can lament these things. And so Delphine, you can start to come up. I'll say this. Uh, anytime we talk about race here in the church, it stirs up feelings. It stirs up all kinds of feelings. And I'll say this. Maybe examine that a little bit before firing off an email, before telling your small group, 
your thoughts on things that she said. Maybe work through your feelings and what's going on in you before saying something. And then I'll say this, if we really wanna be a church where people from all sorts of backgrounds feel like the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is for them, then we're gonna have to have things like this. We're gonna have to have moments where we're people of Navajo descent can express their perspective on what it's like and pray laments that they would pray that maybe I wouldn't pray. And so have an openness to maybe, maybe you don't know everything. Maybe there are perspectives you can't understand unless you walked in their shoes. And I also, thirdly, I just want to see this. This is an absolute blessing that we get to hear Delfina lament in this way. And so she's going to lament for us. She's prepared something to lament for us. Let's lament with her. And then after she reads through, prays through her lament, I'm going to encourage us to take a minute or two to lament those same things in our seats. Okay, so Delfina, please, thank you. Yeah. Hello, my brothers and sisters. As we enter this morning, I was thinking about how this is a sacred space, how we, I think about uh, growing up and a little Navajo girl, Chiji Andres, there were sacred spaces we stepped into. They were holy. And I'd like to invite you into that now. In the book of Esther, chapter four, verses one, it says, Mordecai, Mordecai tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. It goes on to say in verse three, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing, many laid in sackcloth and ashes. These verses display raw, genuine feelings of devastation at a time God's people are scheduled to be systematically massacred by the powers that be. I am challenged by Mordecai and the many who lay in sackcloth and ashes to be so desperate and so open about their pain and grief. God's people in this story encourage me to take the American history book off the shelf and open it. You see, for years I have avoided processing the truth of my place as an indigenous person in our country. Even when I came to faith, I ignored it because I saw nothing positive, uplifting, and encouraging by allowing myself to dwell on it. Therefore, I kept that book on top, on the top shelf where it wasn't easy to have access, although I knew it was always there. I still remember the day the Lord finally forced me to look at that book again. It started with him bringing Micah 6.8 to my attention. It says, To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. I remember thinking, I understand to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God, but to act just? This word justice had no connection in my heart, like mercy and walking humbly. There was a void in my thoughts as well. 
The longer I sat with this word, ever so slowly thoughts began to percolate out of me. When have I ever seen justice played out for Indigenous people in American history? Justice and the history of my people have never been connected. I only see injustice. What I didn't know then was I was beginning a journey of lament. Lamenting the loss of generations of Indigenous people. The loss of beautiful languages, the loss of our cultural heritage, and the loss of the stewardship of the sacred land. Allowing myself to feel this deep-rooted pain has allowed God to shed light on a part of my being where I have, where I have always grieved. I understood how Mordecai may have felt in that moment of devastation in the book of Esther. Though he lamented the atrocities that was about to happen to his people, I lament what did happen to my people. Just as Mordecai wore sackcloth and ashes before God, a part of me always will. Hope eventually came to Mordecai, and hope eventually came to me. Isaiah 58 says, Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Thank you for your presence. I take a, just a moment, a minute and lament these things, lament these things that, that many indigenous people in our midst, in our church, lament and often don't have their brothers and sisters in Christ lamenting them. So take a minute, lament those things, pray, pray prayers of sadness.